Thank you for choosing this episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. If you like anything you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on all of our social medias at lunchpillguys underscore on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. I am your host, Wyatt, joined with the regular crew, almost the regular crew, Lucas, Jared, and Bart. <clears throat> Feels like every time I'm hosting, somebody is out. Aiden is load managing this week. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be talking about Brad Stevens and his legacy with the Boston Celtics. The three-pointers ruining the game of basketball. Next episode, we'll be talking about Russell Wilson's brand recognition and some potential announcer booth duos that we like to see. Before we get into anything, we're going to go into some news we missed. Phil Knight wants to buy the Blazers. He and somebody else uh, are submitting a bid to to take over for the Blazers. Didn't know Phil Knight needed somebody to split the bill with him, but <laughs> you know he's on the list of people who who want to take over for that organization. However, Blazers' current ownership group uh, said that they do not plan on selling the team. Very interesting dynamic going on there. I thought I read that they were required to sell the team, but I'd have to look into it again. That's what I thought too. I think you mm-hmm. said that a week ago, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. And clearly the impression from other people is that it's up for sale. But otherwise Phil Knight, I don't think, would just now be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder, coach of the Utah Jazz, is planning on resigning as the head coach uh, sometime this offseason. It was just a report, so nothing official has happened yet, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I I thought the the Lakers must have been bummed that he announced somebody announced this like right after they made their hire, but mm-hmm. also apparently he didn't want to go there because of how they fired Vogel. So that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Bring him to the Sixers at this point. Mm-hmm. Fire Doc. I've heard a lot of talk about that. I don't know how much of it is just like wishful thinking, but the Fire Doc campaign lives on. Mm-hmm. The Denver Broncos have sold. They sold for $4.5 billion to the heir of Walmart. Didn't know they had heirs. Uh, Rob <laughs> Walton won, <laughs> won the bidding. So $4.5 billion is the going rate. Almost pocket change for a Walton. It, that was the most ever paid for a team, right? Mm, I think I saw I that somewhere. Right, yeah. Which is not. I'm sure each franchise going forward is going to be the most paid for a team, I feel like. Every sale. Um, well, the Timberwolves just got purchased and they didn't break that record. <laughs> Okay. Inflation NFL is crazy though. though, so you know. Yeah, NFL yeah. teams yeah. are. Exactly. Who else is above. for sale right now? Is is there not another team for sale that's escaping me? Uh, no. Uh, maybe so. maybe Washington will be if Snyder comes under some more fire. Yeah, that that but, one will yeah, not maybe that be. Was the one you're... So the most ever sell. The Raiders <laughs> possibly I've heard rumblings that the Raiders did like to find a new ownership group there. That would definitely be the most ever to sell because the Raiders are a historic franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a couple of years ago, the Panthers sold for about $2 billion. Rough, rough number off of that. Anyways, Portland has their eyes on Zach Levine and Bradley Beal as potential targets to pair with Damian Lillard, which would be a sight for sore eyes as a guy who has watched a lot of Blazers. I'm not exactly a fan of them, but you know mm-hmm. they, they. I'm not a fan because they've always rolled out the same team and said, like, this is this is the year. 
So hopefully they make a big move. We'll see what happens. I'd like for Dame to actually win a ring too. He seems like a likable guy. Yeah, for sure. Yep. I don't know if Beal or Levine though would necessarily yeah. bring them super close to winning a ring. Yet, but well, they're both better mm-hmm. than CJ McCollum with all due respect. That's true. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah, I know for sure. Quite possibly. Aaron Donald becomes the highest paid non quarterback in NFL history. He will make $95 million through 2024. I did not see the exact Whoa. details of that contract. Just the number. That's crazy. Yeah. I saw somebody compare it though to like NBA salaries though, and he's making the equivalent of what Drew Holiday is making right now. It's kind of not. Are you yeah. serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. well, they have fewer players to pay. In, <laughs> in the yeah. NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. No, but it's yeah. I think it's I. Co- I totally forgot that he was doing the whole "if they don't pay me, I'm gonna retire" thing. Yeah, so, I kind of. Yeah, I guess I get it. Yeah, I, I don't feel like it was a smoke, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> LSU will be selling a preseason documentary of Brian Kelly's first year at the school. <laughs> I believe the price, Lucas. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was eight ninety nine for their streaming platform. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of smart. I'm not gonna pay for it, but. You know, you only need, you know, a thousand idiots to do it. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm curious to see how it does. Yeah, me too. Because I feel like it, it could go really well, or it could go CNN Plus territory, <laughs> where it's like where it's done in like three just, months or something. I think CNN Plus is like three weeks or something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, <laughs> but based on the the videos of him like dancing with the recruits, it's not going to go well. <laughs> no, that's good content. That's, that's must see TV. Oh, yeah. That is awful content. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think a lot of look. I think it's kind of smart because you see if somebody does buy it. I think a lot of the times people are like, "Oh, you could put that on YouTube. You could, you know, we can stream that." And then you think it's a great idea, and then nobody buys it. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like not ever. Like I, I feel like a bunch of other schools are gonna try to do the same thing. It's not gonna go well for everybody. Probably not even LSU. University of Miami, however, <laughs> making a little bit of money here. They're serving <laughs> vanilla milkshakes with buffalo wings, ranch, and hot sauce. Lucas uh, drew our attention to this. Lucas, is that good value? <laughs> no, it looks gross. As- yeah. Insert your own expletive there. No, I, like just, it is. Lucas is very serious. This is the most disgusting looking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Is this? You go look up the picture uh, if you guys are listening. But this looks like it's chicken wings dipped in the ice cream. I don't yeah. know what I'm looking at when I look at this. No, thing. It's, it it's, is. But then there's also ranch, like in the yeah. That's shit. that's what that's what makes it disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um. It's an incredibly bizarre situation. If I ever find myself in Miami, though, I will try it. <laughs> Assuming they're, they're not going to be selling it by then after the yeah. reviews, I hope. It'll be sold out. <laughs> Too many people will be buying them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might be the only one. Let's get into our first actual segment. Brad Stevens, in his first year of uh, president of basketball operations for the Celtics, or some would call it a GM, he created a team that made it to the NBA Finals. On the other hand, in the first year of him not being the head coach, they have made the NBA Finals. Bart, is this season a net positive or a net negative for Brad Stevens? I think it's pretty overwhelmingly a net positive, to be honest. I, I don't think, I, like when you consider the context, I think it's, it, it's pretty clear. Like 
First of all, Brad Stevens was a good coach. I'm just going to say that. I know he never made the mm-hmm. finals, but I think he was a good coach. And um, like when you, when you consider what he was dealing with, it's actually pretty impressive how well he did. He started with a 20-win team in his first season, sure. Then he bumped it up by 15 wins. And then he had five straight 48-plus win seasons. And he made the playoffs seven out of eight times. So he was really solid. Consider that he dealt with a ton of roster turnover. Like I was looking at basketball reference where they tell you who the leading player by win shares is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. One of his in his first season it was Brandon Bass. In his second season it was Tyler Zeller. Then he had a couple of Isaiah Thomas seasons. Then he had a couple of Kyrie seasons. And then even after that he had uh, Kemba and Gordon Hayward. So like mm-hmm. he never basically was able to play with the, with a team that was committed to this core and that relied on this core like Ime has done. So I think mm-hmm. that's one thing. And then despite that, like Brad Stevens had two better regular seasons than Ime had this year. Especially the 55-win team in 17-18, uh, in I think he deserves credit because Tatum was a rookie. Gordon Hayward was gone for the whole season. Kyrie was gone for the whole season in March. Uh, and they still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and pushed the Cavs with LeBron to seven games. Mm-hmm. So that's that. But like, obviously people are going to say, oh, but Ime has made the Finals this year in his first season. But like Brad Stevens, again, made the playoffs seven out of eight times. Made the Eastern Conference Finals three times. <clears throat> Two times he lost to the Cavs with LeBron. I think that's just bad luck. Like You don't deserve to get knocked for that. And then the other time was against the Heat in the bubble. Weird things happened in the bubble that Heat team was really, really strong. So I also don't think he deserves to get knocked for that. And then, like, again, considering context, you could argue that Ime this season making the finals, it's, like, not all that impressive because they played a dysfunctional Nets team, still formally the only team in these playoffs to get swept. They played a Bucks team that didn't have their second-best player in Chris Middleton. And then the, the, the Heat series, I'll, I'll, I'll give him all due respect for that. But again, it went down to the wire in Game 7. It could have gone either way. So that's that. And then I also think you need to give Stevens credit now for what he's done as the, as the president of basketball ops, right? Like he, he's made some solid moves. Uh, I, I mean, he traded Kemba for Horford. That was one thing. And he acquired Derek White in the middle of the season. I remember Aiden prophetically said this was one of the best signings or deals <laughs> of the deadline. And I didn't realize that at the time, but like White has been really good. And Wyatt has also said the same thing before, which is that he deserves credit literally just for being willing to, to you know, give up the mantle of coach and move into the mm-hmm. position, recognizing that someone's a better coach than he is. I think that's really impressive. And then the most important thing for me is literally the fact that he developed this core. Like, Ime has benefited from taking Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Robert Williams, so on and so forth. And they're all, like, entering their primes. Who got them to that point? Brad Stevens. So he might have not made the finals before. And who knows who's going to win this year? But I think Brad Stevens deserves a lot of credit for just, like, the Celtics being in a position where they are right now. He and Danny Ainge as well, but Danny Ainge is maybe a separate discussion. So overall, I don't think you have to knock Brad Stevens for what he, what he did and the fact that he never made the finals. I still think it's really great for him. It's like a culmination of a lot of his work in the past few years. I mean, I feel like you stole my notes. Like on every level, I feel like it's just like a, a resounding win for him. Like, like, I mean, to the extent to even like talking more about his coaching accolades, like you look at even at his college career, like he took Butler to two final fours, like such a small school with limited resources. Like, he clearly knows what he's doing, but he recognized that like he was not best served for this job, and there was somebody better. And I think like at the end of the day, like that's something that absolutely needs to be commended. And like maybe he was like looking at the Warriors, you know, six seven years back as inspiration, where like Mark Jackson had to go and Steve Kerr had to come in to just like have him turn the final switch to like become like a, a true championship competing team. But whatever the reason was, like he did what was best for the team, and it worked out perfectly. Yeah, and I think like being a college coach and especially at Butler, like you said, Lucas, and doing more with less, 
definitely benefited him with having that young core that you were talking about, Bart, and developing that them. I think a college coach, I would think, would be more uniquely positioned to do that. And then you bring in somebody like Ime, maybe, who is the Steve Kerr and is can be like and be the one to like bring it all together in a way that maybe Brad Stevens couldn't and like relate to the players in a way maybe that Brad Stevens couldn't. I don't know what happened in the middle of the season that went you know, that made the Celtics like what happened in the locker room that made the Celtics go on their run. But you have to think the coach has something to do with that, right? Or the leader or it's just the leadership that they've developed within like Celtics culture, you know, if you want to say that too. But either way, yeah, it's just like a good organization, the way that it's been structured has moved on so well from the Kyrie Irving years, essentially. Mm. It's pretty impressive. And maybe I think that might have, like, taught them a lesson, too, because I think I was reading some reporting today that, like, one of the things they said, like, that really motivated that midseason run um, was, like, getting rid of Enos Cantor Freedom, who, like, they said was, like, a pretty big, like, locker room drain. Mm. And so just, like, even recognizing that, that there's, like, this person who's, like, sort of, like, at the very least, like, disrupting the unity of the team and, like, having Stevens recognize that and, like, trading him away, I think is, like, another thing to everybody involves credit that it, like, worked out. Yeah, and that's an insight that a former coach, like, very, very freshly removed from that would have that probably a GM maybe wouldn't have. Like, somebody that's just, like, a... Not to throw shade at him. He's, I think he's a pretty good GM, but, like, Daryl Morey, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I forgot that they had cancer. Cancer freedom. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that too, actually. But. Yeah. I think, was he gone in the Derek White deal? I know he was traded like at the deadline. I'm not sure exactly what caused that, but I don't know. Basketball seasons are long. Eventually, you forget what happened, you know, a couple weeks before. Anything that happened before the All Star break didn't exist, really, <laughs> in my mind. <clears throat> yeah, everyone has kind of said everything that I've, I was looking to say myself. And I think that. It takes a really powerful person to realize their limitations. And I think that that's the beauty of what has happened so far with the Celtics team as far as an organizational standpoint is that Brad Stevens was man enough to just say, like, I like I've taken this team so far and obviously everybody else has benefited from that. But Ime has clearly gotten something out of the the, the Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that Brad Stevens wasn't able to get out himself in order to get them to the finals. And probably vice versa that Ime maybe wouldn't have been able to develop them up until this point uh, because of Brad Stevens' ability to develop young players. And one thing about the Celtics over the last couple of years is that Danny Ainge only really made deals unless they absolutely fleeced somebody like the Kevin Garnett-Paul Pierce deal. So, you know, power to him, and I think that's a net net positive uh, for Brad Stevens just for the fact that he re-added Al Forford. He you know, went for Derek White, made a couple of smaller moves that weren't necessarily like super aggressive and super swayed in the future, but he understood what his team needed in order to do that. So I I give a lot of, you know, positives to Brad Stevens for being able to do that. Yeah, for sure. Staying in the the sport of basketball, a debate has been sparked. It's it's kind of happened a lot. You hear a lot of people say it. Steph Curry ruined the game of basketball. And what (laughs) they're mainly referring to is the large number of three-pointers that he takes that have ruined basketball. Um, Ryan Russillo, Daryl Morey have said that the three-pointer is worth too much at this point based on the skill level of today's players. So Lucas, is the three-pointer worth too much? Is it not enough or is it just right? 
I just want to start too by saying that I saw a tweet recently that was like, Steph Curry was the best thing to happen to the NBA, but the worst thing to happen to pick up basketball. I think that there is (laughs) some truth to that. But, you know, addressing the question in hand of whether the three-pointer is worth too much or not enough, or is it just right? I think it's the right amount, because in my mind, like, what's the alternative? Like, you go to ones and twos, like, it's pickup, well, that makes the problem even worse, because instead of being 50% more points, it's 100% more points, so that incentivizes taking in even more. And what's the other option? You go to twos and 2.5s? That's stupid. No sport should ever be scored in half points. That isn't, like, by a judge. So, like, I'm fine with, like, ice skating or, like, diving or whatever being half points, because that's, like, subjective. But the, two and a half points is stupid. So, for that reason alone, I think... We should be sticking with twos and threes. But I do think there is like a more nuanced argument too as to why threes should stay the amount of points they are now. First, while three-pointers have gotten much more frequent in the past few years, the climb, the climb has been like somewhat gradual. Like This has been a slow adoption of a strategy. So when the three-pointer was first introduced into the NBA in 1979-80, um, something that had taken from the ABA, um, there, were fi- there were first five three-pointers per game attempted in 1988. This is per team. Um, then there were first 10 per game in 1994, first 15 per game in 1995, so the next year. And there's this weird like three-year stretch between 95 and 97 where it was like 15, 16, 17, and then it dropped suddenly and didn't get back up to 15 until about 2007. So then there were first 20 three-pointers per team per game in 2014, 25 in 2017, and 30 in 2019. And so like while it has accelerated in recent years, this like strategy of adopting more and more three-pointers has been a gradual one um but the ends of the last few years haven't been a total departure and i think that's something that is exciting about the sport i think that when teams adapt um and create new strategies and change the game that's something that is benefits the sport we talk about all the time about how sports are products ultimately and want to make them exciting and playing the game differently from how it's been is something exciting and players have had to modify how they play guys like Embiid, Jokic, Carl anthony towns can shoot threes at a really high clip, and that's never something a center would have had to do even 10 years ago. Um, so I like that there's a change of strategy. I like that it's made the game of basketball more interesting. And so for that reason alone, I don't think threes you know, should be weighted less than they are now because I think it's created an interesting change. And to that point, like, there's no saying that this is permanent. If teams permanently go like small ball and just have good three-point shooters, you can counteract that relatively easily by just like, playing well in the post if like your center's only six to eight or something like that and i realize that there are guys like Jokic and be in towns who we've talked about that can shoot the three and play really well in the post but those guys are pretty limited um and so i think you can definitely see in the future a, a change happening and teams adapting to the change and after that 95 through 97 weird spurt of three pointers it regressed again and i don't necessarily discount that happening i think it would be an overreaction to the last five or six years to like completely change the way the game of basketball is played. The one downside to it, and I've seen this, you know, discussed, is that I think the fact that it's harder to make threes sometimes makes it so there's more blowouts because, like, if a team just is like not hitting their threes one night and the other is, it like really draws apart the score in a way it wouldn't if you're just shooting for twos. But I think that's also a fine byproduct, and like teams will get better at shooting threes as time goes on. So overall, I guess my take is that like three pointers are fine as they are. There are no really good alternatives, and I think it's created an interesting change in the way basketball has been played. Yeah, Lucas, I agree with everything you said, and I, I specifically want to talk about some of the last things that you said, mm-hmm. is that over the last couple of years, we have seen a severe, like a dramatic 
not dramatic, mm-hmm. but I know you said it was gradual, but it, it is a dramatic change from what mm-hmm. basketball used to look like during Michael Jordan era. Right? People mm-hmm. will take way more threes nowadays. And I also think that that's something that is set to change, like you said, where if we, it's all peaks and valleys. We're going to get to this point where everybody's shooting threes. And I think we reached it during the James Harden, Houston Rockets days when they were just mm-hmm. rifling freeze, threes throughout the entire period. And now I feel like the slope is starting to come back down to a point mm-hmm. where it is a more even game. And also what you said at the end is like sometimes if you're a team and you rely on shooting threes, and you stop making threes, then you're just going to lose games. And I think that the three-pointer is a high-risk, high-reward you know, um, mm-hmm. shot, and I think that it should be allowed to do so. So I think the conversation around three-pointers is incredibly disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Analytic folks have decided that it's worth a lot, that three-pointers is the way that you win a lot of games, mm-hmm. and during the Daryl Morey uh, era in Houston is kind of like a big reason why I think we talk about it, is that they shoot at a really high clip. But, you know, the Warriors and Steph Curry are credited with ruining the game of basketball and shooting a lot of threes. But they're also one of the most efficient three-pointing shooting teams that we've seen in a really long time and probably ever. It's just, it's the give and take. And I think that a lot of people are kind of overreacting to the idea that three-pointers are the only shot that people take. But if you're bad at shooting three-pointers, then you are. And you have to be an incredibly efficient team like the Warriors are to be able to take advantage of such a valuable shot. It's a high-risk, high-reward. And look, if Steph Curry was not a good three-point shooter, he probably would not be in the NBA. I mean, he's he is a small guard. It's just the way it goes. Like that's why he's so great as well. Is that he's such a good three-point shooter. Yeah, and to add to that, I think it's overstated a little bit how much three-pointers have dominated. Like, yes, like we talked about, it has grown gradually to a point and then really increased in the last five or six years. But they still only are 39% of all shots. Like, it's not like teams are going down the floor every time and just, like, shooting threes. Like, it's still substantially below half the shots that are being taken. And, yes, is that a substantial increase from what it was 10 or 15 years ago? Sure, but it's not like teams don't play in the paint anymore. Like, 61% of shots are two-point shots still at this point. Like, it's a really high number. And so, I don't know. I feel like it is overstated a little bit. Can I, yeah. Can, can I say a few things? Oh, Jared. Go. go. No, Bart, no go, Bart, go ahead. I want to hear Bart. it. I want to hear it. Um, well, okay. So, well, okay. One thing that I just <clears> think is interesting related to what Lucas just said, the Rockets teams that Wyatt mentioned, there are three teams ever that have shot, have attempted more three-pointers than two-pointers, and it was the Rockets those three seasons, 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19. It hasn't happened mm-hmm. again, but the Jazz almost did it last year as well. So I, but anyway, I just think that's, that's interesting that it's gotten to that point where teams are literally doing it more often than not sometimes. But what I wanted to say is that on the topic of like whether it's happening more, an interesting thing I saw was that it seems like the three-point percentage of teams in the NBA isn't improving. It's just the volume, which mm-hmm. speaks to the fact that it seems like players are just getting, like youth players are, are practicing it more and getting better at it. So I, I'm not convinced that it's going to kind of level off because I think people are realizing this is a skill that you need to have to progress mm-hmm. through the levels of, of basketball and eventually make it to the NBA. And so I, I honestly feel like there's a very real possibility that it will actually end up being where like every player on the court will be comfortable shooting threes at some point, and then they will have to do something about it. Because like the, the raw analytic is so simple, right? Three is greater than two. I don't see why people would stop committing to practicing that and committing to it as a team if you have shooters who can shoot. And the fact of the matter is that there are more shooters now than ever, and it's only going to keep growing. Okay, so that's no, I think that's definitely true. But how is the... NBA going to react to that. I don't know. The video that like first sparked this off 
a really good YouTuber that I like, Jimmy High Roller. Um, he made he made the argument like he went through the stats that um, if players get efficient enough at two pointers, then there's a threshold where it's actually more valuable to shoot a two pointer than a three pointer because it's a le- because a three pointer is a less efficient shot. So look at points per attempt. Essentially, what is it generating you per attempt? And throughout NBA history, this year was actually the first year, or I don't know about throughout NBA history, but in the last I know at least twenty years. This year, a two-pointer made was worth more points per attempt than a three-pointer, and like you were saying, Bart, the um they are shooting more, but they're we're not necessarily getting better at three-point percentage right now, but they are getting better at two-point percentage, uh, field goals. So, the way that like if a team is really good at three-pointers, it opens up the rest of your game, and you can shoot more two-pointers. So yes, it is still going to be a skill that we have, but it's not going to, I don't think it's going to ruin the game in terms of um, like too many lopsided games or whatever you think is wrong about like teams shooting a lot of three pointers. Um, Because all it comes down to is that your team just has to knock down shots and it doesn't matter which one you're good at. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I didn't really explain it that well, but this, the main takeaway is that a two-pointer creates more points per attempt right now than a three-pointer. So it's not like OP or anything, if that's what people are trying to say. That's fair. I don't like one one criticism I've seen is that it's just it's like homogenizing the game a bit too much. It's just that team like teams are doing it more than like to the to the level where it's boring now. We're is it bo- so yeah, I mean attempt. That gets to you. You mentioned this actually, I believe, Bart, when we talked about '90s basketball. Is do you? It it, it kind of is like, do you think that today's brand of basketball is fun to watch, or or do you think mm-hmm. '90s basketball mm-hmm. was better, or whatever? You know, back in that argument, I don't have. I like seeing technically sound NBA players hit deep threes. I personally like watching that sort of basketball. Mm-hmm. I agree. I also think that those high volume three pointing, three point shooting teams we have seen their downfall because of their commitment to it, like the Houston Rockets of, mm-hmm. of before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was their ultimate downfall is that towards the end of games, James Harden and Chris Paul were not hitting high-volume three-point sh- shots. And that's, that's kind of the opposite of what the Phoenix Suns are, a team that had a lot of success, is that they were a really efficient two-point shooting team. I know that they had a handful of three-point shooters, but Devin Booker and Chris Paul, their two stars, shot a lot of their shots within the arc. So. <clears throat> I think about it like the, like the way we used to think about baseball is chicks dig the long ball. Everybody wants to hit a home run. You you take the pail out of the ball or whatever. You reduce the flight. I mean, like, I think that the game will eventually come back to earth a little bit. Not everybody in baseball now is still just swinging for the fences uh, or, or taking steroids like they were before. <laughs> I think a lot of them, they just all come back around. Yeah, and, like, what was the stat with, like, the the Rockets that, like, in that – Blew that Warrior series. They missed seventeen straight threes or something like that. Right, twenty-seven. God, off by a factor of ten. Right. Not a factor of ten, but off by ten. I mm-hmm. guess, but still, I like think it was twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that I sounds mean, right that, to me, Bart. I know that it sounds right to me. Pretty as well. absurd number. Um, I knew there was a seven in there somewhere, but yeah, like still. I mean, but to Bart's point though, like if he, like the kids who were like five when Steph Curry like started his run are going to be in the NBA and like I don't know. <laughs> six or seven years at this point i was trying to do the math in my head uh like six or seven years at this point and if like they have all been practicing threes for that long like there will just be a natural improvement in three-point shooting i feel like 
but and what's but this what's bad about that? What's bad about the talent of NBA players getting oh, better? Uh, no. Okay, there's nothing. Okay, I didn't well, know if you were playing with Irby. Bart, I would uh, I would say if if it leads to literally teams shooting more three pointers than two pointers, I think that that gets that dilutes the product a little bit. Interesting. Okay. I think three pointers get really boring when they happen over and over again. There's more variety inside the arc. I think you have to admit that. Yeah, I just don't okay. think that that's with the way the game is being played at the moment. I think that uh, uh, something that I credit the Warriors with a lot is that they're very good at easy baskets. And mm-hmm. I think if and look and Bart, if if everybody is shooting three pointers across the board, and uh, no team in the league is valuing valuing the shots, you know, behind the arc or within the arc, excuse me. Uh, then I can see it becoming a diluted product, but I just don't know if a team will ever be able to do that unless they're one of the best three-point shooting teams that we have ever seen. Mm-hmm. And like and I, I think, I, that it, and within that, like if if everybody's practicing threes, like Jared said, and people are just getting better, then credit to them that that's an incredible feat. And I and I didn't do a great job of communicating this earlier, but there's no right now. There's no evidence that the league is better at three-point shooters right now three-point shooting it's like been pretty consistent like you can cherry pick the best one we've seen in the last couple of years was 2020 to 2021 the league shot uh 0.367 but you can find that number as well in the 2008 to 09 season they shot that as well and then the year before 0.362 in 0708 so like we're not necessarily there's not evidence that we're getting better at three-pointers necessarily or not we the nba is getting better at three-pointers so that means defenses right, can catch up. That means defenses can catch up is what I'm saying and adjust. Well, that's another discussion of how, how they could remedy this. I've seen some things about helping the defense. No, what is it? What, that, what are, that no, that's, that's part my... of the discussion. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, like, oh, no. Okay, so I was just going to say, that's what I was saying earlier, though, about, like, the percentages aren't getting better, but the volume is getting higher, which seems like it could continue. Okay. Right? Like, anyways. That's uh like uh, about the defense thing. I, one suggestion I saw is that they reintroduce hand checking, uh, to to help basically like protect against players who can either shoot or start driving. You would make it harder for shooters to get you know, comfortable three pointers. I guess that's one of many suggestions I've seen. Assuming it is a problem that needs fixing. Yeah, the game the game will will adjust course the mm-hmm. same way that the game has adjusted courses with people fishing for fouls. Is that it'll you know maybe they will do something like that where they'll they'll find a way to adjust for three pointers, but like I said, I don't know if we're at that point yet, or 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 there anytime soon, to be honest. Well, hopefully you think that our podcasts are worth fifty percent more than the other podcasts <laughs> as well. Yeah, if you do subscribe, share on all the usual platforms. Talk to us on social media. You know we love to hear your thoughts. Look out for our uh, separate scheduled episodes of Pit Stop and No Days Off as well. And as always, thank you for listening. We'll catch you back here in the next episode.